0: I'm Casey James, and this is the
1: story of the Bridge House.
0: Fuck, I mutter as I back out of the green room, then again for good measure. Fuck. The creepy hand and spider thing has Eddie, or it knows something about Eddie. No one who didn't know about him would pick the name Edmund out of thin air to say to me. It's not even his real name. It's this made-up thing we did when we were kids. Gave each other false names that only we knew. Mine was Galadriel, in case you wondered. The Lady of the Golden Wood. Cheesy, I know, but we were preteen nerds. Cheesy is what we did. I suppose at least this is evidence that he does still exist somewhere, wherever this Celephaeus is. (sighs) Okay, okay, Casey, focus. First, find a light to put in the bloody Aetherstone crystals so that we can stop whatever horrific thing is in progress here and get out. Then find Celephaeus and get Eddie back. One thing at a time. I just need to find a light. I back another step away from the green room, then turn around and continue down the hall. I don't think I care anymore about leaving the hand and spider thing behind me. Everything in the house so far has either tried to kill me or talk to me. Not both. Which is not to say it's a hard and fast rule, but At the very least, it doesn't sound like it's going to fall on the kill-me-horribly-or-drag-me-off-somewhere side of the fence. I hate that this is something I have to actually think about. That's assuming it can even get out of the green room. I assume it can. With my luck, I'm a tiny bit surprised that I could get out of the room without any trouble. I halfway expected the door to slam shut or the spiders and things to stop me from leaving, but no... They just crawled over me and ignored me, and the hand thing invited me to go and visit it, somewhere. I shake my head and walk slowly down the hallway. At the end of it is a door into what must be the final room in the basement of the bridge House. I really hope that the light I need to find is in there, because I don't know where else to look. I still don't even know what I'm looking for. The door opens into what is clearly meant as a formal entertaining space, a a drawing room, I guess. Although the rug has been rolled back, exposing the polished concrete floor underneath, and the couches have all been shoved up against the walls. In the cleared central space, there is a pentagram drawn on the floor in bone-white chalk. Inside a circle painted in some brown stain that looks suspiciously like dried blood. I mean, it could be paint, or ink, or overbrewed coffee, but what are the chances? I'm in the basement of a fucking haunted house, I'm pretty sure it's blood. Old, dried blood. Half-melted candles are spaced evenly around the circle, Drips of wax solidified down their sides and around the bases, puddled onto the floor. The walls are mirrored, shards of reflective glass set into them in a crazy patchwork mosaic with blue and green tiles between them, in a winding, almost organic border. The mosaic must be slightly wonky, not perfectly flat, Because every fragment of mirror is reflecting a slightly different image of the room. Millions of reflections as the mirrors pass light back and forth to one another. The candles are lit, which worries me, and in the centre of the pentagram is a pool of light. I want to describe it better than that, but there are no words to do it justice. It's as if starlight had dripped onto the floor and collected to form a puddle there, gently glowing, shifting and shining among the multiplicity of reflections. That shining pool of light calls me towards it, draws me forward, one step and then another. Surely this is what I've been looking for. As I fall to my knees beside the pool, uncaring of the lines of chalk and blood,
1: I hear Ariel's voice saying, Some sort of interference, but I've managed to work around it. Oh. Oh. That was probably not a good idea, Casey James. My my brain feels like it's working in slow motion.
0: The starlight on the floor swirls and ripples, as if there's a breeze blowing across it, but there isn't. It's beautiful. Hypnotic. What? I ask, barely paying attention to the not-a-ghost. In my defence, I have been awake all night, and the pool of starlight is very distracting
1: that isn't a summoning circle
0: she says i'm not honestly entirely sure what she's talking about i didn't say that it was i say
1: which is why there are no unnameable horrors currently eating your face or inhabiting your physical imprint she says ignoring me this might be worse
0: actually How is this worse than unnameable horrors eating my face? I lean forward and dip my fingers into the pool of starlight. It's warm and cool at once, electric, like the feeling of potential in the air before lightning strikes. This is not worse than something eating my
1: face. You've gone and made yourself part of the ritual. Ariel says.
0: I shrug. The pool of light swirls around my fingers. I'm pretty sure I was already part of it, I tell her. Otherwise, why would I have spent the last however many months dreaming about this place? Why would everything here already know me?
1: Because of this moment,
0: she says. I pause for a second at that and turn to look at her. She looks... Well, her face doesn't do expressions like a normal human, but her grey eyes have darkened, like the sky just before rain clouds sweep across it. And there's a slight furrow in her brow. If I had to guess, I'd say she looks concerned. The light swirls around my fingers again, drawing my attention back to it. I feel as if I could disappear into that pool and never notice, just sink through reality and dissolve. Reluctantly, I pull my hand out of the pool. I can't dissolve into light. I have things to do, promises to keep and all that, miles to go before I sleep. Light drips slowly off my fingers. Molasses slow, gathering and falling back into the pool. Unthinking, I lift my fingers to my lips and taste the light. It's sweet and bitter like honeysuckle. This is what I need. I can feel it. It's the missing piece of the puzzle, the capstone that might, if I'm very, very lucky, stop. Whatever is happening here, this mad slide into unreality, complete with ghosts and monsters and everything else. I might even survive it all.
1: And you definitely shouldn't be drinking the quintessence,
0: says Ariel. Her voice sounds distant and slightly staticky to me, not quite real. The whole room feels a little unreal, Actually, I can, I can hear my heartbeat, overly loud in the silence. When did the storm stop? Did the storm stop, or can I just not hear it? I feel a little like I'm drunk, or high maybe. Everything seems a little brighter too. The colours are slowly morphing across the spectrum like an acid trip. Ariel's probably right. I probably shouldn't have tasted the liquid starlight puddled on the floor.
1: What was I doing? What were you trying to do? Asks
0: Ariel, echoing my own thought. For a second, I can't tell if she actually spoke or if I'm just thinking in her voice. But then she sort of awkwardly pats me on the shoulder, or at least, I think that's what she tried to do. It feels like she gave me a bloody enormous static shock, followed by an uncomfortable tingle of pins and needles down my entire arm. On the bright side, I feel a bit more normal after that. I'm getting some of the light, I tell her which sounds daft when I say it out loud, so I reach into my shoulder bag and pull out the glass jar from the kitchen, brandishing it like some sort of trophy.
1: Why are you carrying a glass jam jar in your bag, Casey?
0: Asks Ariel. So that I can pick up a jar full of weird liquid light from the bizarre and probably dangerous summoning circle I found in the basement of the haunted house that is actually also some sort of metaphysical gate into possibly multiple hell dimensions. Obviously, I say, with a certain amount of sarcasm. I don't know. It seemed like it might be useful, so I grabbed it.
1: I suppose that makes a certain amount of sense.
0: I'm not a complete idiot, I mutter. She must hear me, because her odd grey eyes narrow slightly, and one pale eyebrow goes up.
1: And yet, you're kneeling across the lines of the runic circle, disrupting its function, she says. And you just consumed some of the quintessence which the ritual has condensed. That actually was a bad idea, I don't know why I did
0: that, I tell her.
1: You don't appear to have formed a circuit, but you will start bleeding out if you stay there. Metaphorically, at least, I think. That sounds bad. Even
0: metaphorical bleeding out is not something I really want to try. I dip the jar into the pool of light and scoop some up. Then I edge cautiously backwards and stand up. The room is full of birds. There's nothing sudden or surprising about it, it's just full of birds now. Crows and ravens, they're larger I think, and iridescently shining blue-black starlings. It's a sea of black feathers, rustling ominously each time one of the birds moves as it settles down or shifts around. Every single possible spot that one could sit, there is one. On the shelves, on the back of the sofa, where it's been pushed up against the wall. There's a crow sitting on Ariel's shoulder, which is impressive because I was more than halfway convinced that she wasn't actually physically real. I mean, she's translucent. And when she patted my shoulder, I just got a jolt of static electricity. Also, she's more than a little intimidating. If I was a bird, I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be landing on her. I look around as I get to my feet. Ariel is looking past me at the smudged circle on the floor, and the birds are all leaning towards me and staring. Their eyes are glossy charcoal black, like shiny black buttons. Or beetles. I shudder as that thought reminds me of the bugs and spiders in the green room. And I can see myself reflected in each and every single bright, black, glossy eye. It's creepy as hell. I'm going to go upstairs with this, I say, slowly moving back towards the door. Ariel's wintry gaze snaps over to me, and she nods.
1: You have the wrong shoes on,
0: she says absently, as I reach the doorway. I pause.
1: The wrong shoes, I repeat. Yes, she says. That is the term you use, isn't it? I look at my feet. I'm wearing
0: knock-off chucks, black with grubby white soles and black and white laces. They're not glamorous or weatherproof, but they're comfortable when they're not soaking wet and muddy. Honestly, I should probably take them off entirely. But I have this niggling fear that if I do, I'll end up walking through broken glass or something. One of the ravens clicks its beak, sending shivers down my spine. I'm not sure what my shoes have to do with anything, I say to Ariel.
1: When Walker makes his offer...
0: What? I ask, interrupting. She sighs, (sighs) then says again.
1: When Walker makes his offer, make sure you get better shoes as a part of it. It'll be important.
0: I stare at her for a few seconds, then I shake my head. Sure,
1: I say. I'll ask for better shoes. Good. That improves your chances by almost two percent. The raven clicks its beak
0: again, and Ariel turns her cold, weird, inhuman gaze on it. Rude she says and it vanishes just vanishes in a puff of black feathers the rest of the birds shuffle restlessly settling and resettling their feathers for all that they're creepy and shouldn't be there I kind of know how they feel still I have things to do and apparently places to be. First step, get this jar upstairs and use it to light up Walker's Aether stone. Use the etherstone to stop the gate from opening. And then I can go and find Eddie. I wonder where the hell Celapheus is and how I'm going to get there.